Hey, how you doing, Ignite City Church? Hey, a real quick thing that came out of today's reading, um, out of 2 Timothy chapter 1 and 2 from our Bible reading plan, and it was this, um, especially chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. And listen to this. It says, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. Now, I stopped there when I wrote it in my journal. But I think it's such a it's a it's a very timely um, verse and truth for us as followers of Jesus. Um, I'm not sure if you've noticed this, and, I, and I'm not on social media anymore. But I just can't imagine that it's gotten much better. But I do remember when I was on social media, and I would start looking at uh, things that people are posting, and and then responses and the drive-by memes where you just kind of throw out a meme, no matter how it might be hurtful to somebody, but you're making your point and. A lot of times people think that so long as you're standing for truth, you can kind of get away with saying anything that you want. So let me read it again and see whether or not actually scripture gives us that um, gives us that out or uh, allows us to have the excuse of, hey, I don't have to do these things so long as I'm teaching truth or I'm speaking the truth. Um, isn't it weird how we can say, oh, yeah, I'm holding for truth? But we, again, if I was to cross-reference, and we'll go back to 2 Timothy, but if I go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and listen to what Paul says in verse 1, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a, no I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, I, I, I mean, is anyone completely certain what the tongues of angels are? I'm not. I don't know what it. I don't know exactly what it is, but I don't think it's that. It's not an earthly language. It's not an earthly tongue. And he's like, if if I speak even the even if, like the tongues of men or of angels, even if I speak the tongue of angels, but I don't do it in love, I'm a I'm a I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, it means nothing. It's it's accomplishing nothing. And so when we start seeing people posting or speaking or standing or picketing or whatever, and there's no love in it, all that people hear is the noisy gong. And we can sit there and go, well, I'm, I'm like an Old Testament prophet. Guys, again, we don't, we don't even have that um, as an excuse because you go to verse 2 of chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And then it goes into, even if you give up your body, like if you if you become a martyr, listen to what he says, if I give, if I give all away, if I give all, I'm sorry, if I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And so there's podcasts, and there's uh, social media posts and websites and YouTube videos and TikTok videos and all these things of people posting, holding to truth. And a lot of people who call themselves followers of Jesus or call themselves Christians, they're posting the exact same thing in the exact same way. And to speak truth without love is to be disobedient to what we've actually been called to do. There are times, yes, we've got to speak and we've got to stand for truth, but anything that's void of love, to do that void of love is to miss the point. So we go back to first, uh, sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 2, again, starting in verse 24. Actually, we go, let's go up to verse 22, and we'll keep it in context. It says this, So flee youthful, youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Again, now listen to this part. 
have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And yet, isn't that what we seem to be getting sucked into? We get sucked into these things that are foolish, ignorant controversies. And all that they do is they breed about quarrels. When we as followers of Jesus jump into the exact same quarrels that the rest of the world is, is jumping into, we'll have the exact same results. Because we're not jumping in there. We're not jumping to these quarrels for the purpose of actually bringing peace. We're wanting to fight. We want to pick a fight. Guys, you realize that even Paul said when he's talking to Timothy, and I think it's in chapter one, but he talks about fighting the good fight. Not every fight is good, but there are times to fight the good fight. But we always look at Jesus and how it is that he fought. There were times he stood up to the religious leaders and he confronted them and convicted them for the things that they were doing. All of it for the glory of God and ultimately still out of love, even though it can be very blunt. As I've said before, I say it again, um, that I that I heard a I heard a prof years ago, a professor say this, that Jesus isn't always nice, but he's always good. He said there go, some of his stuff is really blunt. It almost sounds rude. I understand that, but we have to also remember that Jesus is fully God and fully man. When he was here, he's fully God, fully man. And everything that Jesus did was from a place of good. He was looking for good. His motivation was always, always pure. And I don't know that we can actually believe that, that every motivation of ours is pure. And so I guess I asked the question, is the fight that you're in, is it the good fight? And if you are in the good fight, are you doing it in a way? Are you fighting in a way that actually brings honor to, and glory to Jesus? Or do we actually believe that we've been called to defend him? Think about that. Can I really defend? Does the Lion of Judah, does a lion actually need me to defend him? Does Jesus, the creator of the universe, need me to defend him? I don't know that that was ever my call. I don't know that I'm called to defend Jesus. What I'm called to do is to be a representative of Jesus, to be an ambassador for Christ. I mean, guys, if you look in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and starting down in verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of what? Reconciliation. That is our ministry. That is our calling. And then look at the role that we're given. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador for a nation goes and speaks on behalf of the nation, never in, the, never in that ambassador's own power and authority or own opinion is he or she supposed to speak, but only, um, uh, only according to the wishes and the desires of the country that they represent. So when we, be, when we sit there and go say, so we are ambassadors for Christ, we're supposed to be speaking what it is that Jesus wants us to speak. We're supposed to be speaking in such a way that Jesus wants us to speak. And the way that we can know both of those things is to spend time in his word. And then I'm convinced we need to confess our shortcomings, confess our sin in these areas, because I'm convinced that we have been guilty of Jumping in and having a whole lot to do with foolish controversies, foolish, ignorant controversies that breed about quarrels. You said, and some may say, well, we've got to know what's going on in the world. And I agree. And we have to jump in. And we, and I agree. But how do we do it? Because if we use the same tactics as everybody else, we look like everybody else, which really shows that there's no difference that Jesus makes in his people.
So we go back to verse 23 again in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy. And he says, Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. I mean, when we're, when we're having to confront issues that go against God, is our ultimate desire to see that person come to a place where they would repent and come to Jesus, or do we just want them to know that they're wrong? Friends, if our motivation is the second one, then we are not in line with what it is that God wants us to do. And we've taken a place and we've taken a role that is not ours. There is one judge and we're not it. It's Jesus. Jesus will come back and judge the world. But until then, we are his ambassadors bringing this message of reconciliation, how a person can be reconciled to God. And if we actually believe that when a person reconciles to God, that they receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is now in them to change them and transform them, to sanctify them as they've been sanctified, but to take them through the process of sanctification, making us look more and more like Jesus. If we actually believe that God changes a life, then shouldn't we start with the sharing of the gospel? Continuing on in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, starting here in verse 26. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Friends, when you read this, are we, are, we, are we being a good examples of Jesus? Are we just being stereotypical Christians of today, at least in the States? And I know it's like, Brian, this is pretty harsh. I know. But I'm guessing, I'm guessing I'm thinking this, friends, when we don't do these things that Jesus has set up, and I get it, this is hard to do. This is not natural for us. We automatically want to quarrel. But when we don't do these things, our testimony for the gospel is impacted in a negative way. Again, some may say, can you real, do you really think you can stop God's will? I know I can't stop God's will. But I do know that my impact, that I do have some type of impact on people. And so do you. And so when we sit and go, well, I'm going to fight for truth no matter what. And if I have to hurt people along the way, I'm going to do it. What I'd like to know is where, in the, where especially in the New Testament, do we find that mentality being something that Jesus applauds and approves of? Yes, Jesus. There are times where Jesus will come. You look in the scripture, he's going to come and judge and there's going to be some brutal things that happen. But he's the judge. I'm not. You're not. We're not the judge. That's his role. But the church has been left on this planet to continue the work that Jesus did. And when you see Jesus eating and hanging out with tax collectors and sinners, when you see him approaching outcasts of society in order to make them come to a place where they understand what the kingdom of God is like and calling them to repent that they might believe and receive, uh, receive his invitation to become disciples. When we start looking how Jesus lived, how he touched the leper, how he healed people of their diseases, how he spoke truth but did it in love. And yes, there were times he had to be very blunt, but you notice who he was more blunt with. Was Jesus more blunt um, and almost sounding rude with those who, who called themselves religious or with those who didn't? And I would, I would venture to say that Jesus was most, quote-unquote, harsh with those who claimed to be religious. Friends, we have to watch we need to watch what it is that we're saying, what it is that we're doing, because we do not want to turn people off to the message of the gospel. 
that I'm convinced that my influence should be that of, it should be something that is positive for people that I could stand before God one day and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. So again, back to 24 of chapter 2 in 2 Timothy. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. Real quick, for those that might sit there and go, okay, but okay, I just have a really hard time with the government and some of the things that they're doing is really frustrating to me. Or maybe, you're, you, maybe your political party is in, is in power and this is a good time for you, but you're looking past. You're looking in the, in the past and going, yeah, but when they were doing that, then I don't have to. Friends, we need to remember that Paul, this is his last letter written to his friend named Timothy. His, his, his son in the faith, his child in the faith, someone that he mentored and helped grow up as, a, as an elder, as a pastor uh, in Ephesus. This is the last letter that he would write before he is martyred. While Nero's in power, being absolutely out of his mind, that the Nero, Emperor Nero is absolutely out of his mind. And here is what he's saying at no point. I mean, read it. Read First and Second Timothy. You don't, you don't really see anything about, hey, let's stand against the man. Let's stand against the government. What you see is things like this. And so what if Paul's sitting there going, well, as he's writing this, going, okay, I know I'm frustrated. I, I'm frustrated with how Nero's acting and the things that he's saying and the things that I hear he's doing to other Christians. So what is our response? And what if he begins to pray? And as the Holy Spirit inspires him, he writes this part in the letter, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. Kind to everyone. Everyone is everyone. Able to teach, patiently enduring evil. Correcting his opponents with gentleness. Friends, does that, does that describe you? Does it describe me? I feel like it's harder to do this and we need to be reliant upon God so we can actually be obedient to do these things. It's harder to do this than it is to get the boldness so we can stand in a fight, that, but fight in a way that looks nothing like Jesus. There, like I said, there were times where Jesus stood up and he spoke some harsh things, but again, he's God He's always good. He's always loving. But we also have to realize that we take our cue from Jesus, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, the Savior of the world, and we're supposed to have his mentality. And this is where I'll close. In Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5, Have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with a God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Friends, that's who we take our marching orders from. You realize that part of the way that Jesus fought was to lay down his life, to take the cross, to endure the wrath of God and then to come and then to resurrect from the dead. Why? So that while we were still sinners, while we were enemies of him, he died for us. Because his ultimate desire was to seek and save the lost. Friends, we have to have that heart. And I'm not saying that we can fake it. You can't fake it till you make it. What we need to ask the Lord is God, continue to make me sensitive to your will and to your desire and change my heart 
so that my desires and my that my will and desires would would coincide. They would be your desires, not mine, but only yours. So that we are, so that we are I, so that I am doing what it is that you've called me to do, to love you with everything, to love people, to be kind to everyone, to love people, and to go make disciples who make disciple makers. Friends, I'm convinced the gospel still changes everything. We need to fight the good fight. We need to, we need to keep the faith. Like we need to know what it is we believe. We need to make sure that we're holding to truth absolutely, but never speaking truth outside of love. That we speak truth in love. And it's such a weird dance. It's a tough dance. It's a balancing act. But friends, maybe it starts with we actually want to see God change our hearts for those who don't know him. Instead of expecting those who don't know Christ to act as if they do, we realize, hey, they're in bondage to an enemy. They're obedient to an enemy who wants to destroy them simply because they're made in the image of Jesus. And in verse 26, and they may come to their senses, back in 2 Timothy 2, verse 26, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. If we don't see us, if we don't see our mission on this planet as going out and to rescue those who don't know Jesus, friends, we'll never love the way that Jesus wants us to. We'll never do the things that Paul wrote, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to Timothy. And this is how you, this is how as we as servants of God, this is how we are supposed to conduct ourselves with people. Last again, verse 24 and 25. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness, Friends, I hope this has been an encouragement as well as a, con a time of conviction. And this is why we constantly need to be abiding in Jesus, asking for God to help us. There's no way that we can do this by ourselves. But friends, we can do this by the help, by the help of the Holy Spirit. Friends, let's make a difference. And the only way that we can make a difference in this world is that we would actually look and be different than those who are in this world. That show them the love of Jesus. And we can stand for truth, and I can completely disagree with a person to their face. But may, may the motivation of my heart, even when I have to do that, may it always, may the motivation of my heart always be that I love them and I want to see them come to a place of repentance. While I also want to be teachable, that if a person who knows Christ confronts me, that I would be teachable and humble to receive instructions and pray, God, is this what, you're, is this what you wanted me to hear? Am I supposed to move on that? But especially when we're dealing with those who don't know Jesus, our, heart, our, our, our heart's motivation should always be we want them to come to Jesus. We want them to accept his invitation to follow him, to receive his gift of salvation, to see the Holy Spirit come into them and begin to transform them. Remember our place. We are ambassadors for Christ, given the ministry of reconciliation, how to be reconciled to God. Friends, I love you more than you know. We'll talk soon.